Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel-Labrizzi. I'm Brian Dawes. And I'm Chris Delano. Lordy, do we have an episode? Heck, uh, so... We, we have one of those every week, Lorelai. <laughs> this is... One has a lot. Uh, this is our final uh, Strixhaven story episode, so we're going to talk about the fifth story in the main plot and the Killian story, the last of the student side stories. Uh, but before that, we have a whole bunch of news. Uh, shout out to Wizards of the Coast for dropping news on a Thursday instead of a Friday so we can actually get into the episode when it gets announced, because <laughs> that's uh, pretty, pretty great. Uh, so weekly MTG, uh, we will uh, link. There's a whole article with all this news. We're gonna kind of run through it. We're not gonna give all the details, but uh, hi- highlights. Uh, weekly MTG had a big preview stream with uh, uh, a bunch of the upcoming stuff for the summer uh, or winter in the southern hemisphere. Um, sorry, Australia. <laughs> and the uh, what was the title? Summer of Legends is uh, the the marketing title for what is happening. Uh, in magic. And so they gave us a few looks at upcoming product, uh, including Dungeons and Dragons, Dark Alliance, the upcoming action RPG. Um, <laughs> you know, if Magic Legends wasn't your thing, maybe the D&D game will be. Uh, Watsy's got your action RPG thirsts on uh, both angles. Yeah. Um, this one is uh, this one's on console and PC. Nice. Um, it looks it looks less like a, I don't know. It, it looks less isometric than um mm-hmm. legends uh yeah, it's on a yeah. pc playstation 4 playstation 5 xbox one or xbox series xs x slash x i don't know how to say it uh this seems <laughs> like a lie though because it says playstation 5 but it, those are fake those don't exist so um yeah uh but this is magic podcast and uh i came here for magic and for those things uh so let's talk about modern horizons 2 because we yeah. got a first look uh our enemy colored fetch lands returning in uh, the regular frame and uh, an extended art border. And they also show up in old border so they can match your onslaught fetches uh, if you're old like us. <laughs> um, we have... It wasn't talked about on the stream, but we, we did get the packaging. And, uh, you know, it's cool that the set booster box and, and packs have a squirrel on them. But, uh, hmm, the the regular draft booster box and the bundle uh, and the pre-release packs, they, they got a piece of art on them that looks very familiar. And, uh, again, if you're very old Magic play and remember Legends, uh, this looks like a certain Richard Kane Ferguson piece. Uh, the one and only Dakin Black. Blade graces the key art for Modern Horizons 2. Remember, the first uh, one had Sarah in the key art. So uh, we'll see what Dakin has to do with this set in the future. Um, I'm very excited for that. I, I did not work on the set, so I know nothing about it. I am learning about it as y'all do. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we won't go much into who Dakin is now. Uh, if you've been playing recently, you know the Black Blade from War of the Spark. But uh, yeah, we're, we're going to have good lore stuff coming up soon. I, I'm hoping we get a Planeswalker Dakin card because I've been looking for an Esper Lands commander for a while. Um <laughs> 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 um yeah Dak and Blackblade sure is a card. Legends sure understood the color pie. Uh <laughs> uh Modern Modern Horizons 2 is very similar to the first set. 
uh, Modern Horizons. It is uh, cards being printed directly into Modern, featuring both new designs and uh, reprints, although the reprints were not already Modern legal. So the, you know, cards like Counterspell, reprinted here, uh, has existed forever, but has never been legal in Modern until now. Uh, And... We have a bunch of wacky new mechanical designs that are also flavor atom bombs, uh, just like the first Modern Horizons. We have Urza's Saga, which is an enchantment land Urza's Saga. Uh, <laughs> this card is the best card they've ever printed. It, I'm sorry. This makes me very happy. Um, Aaron, oh. for Aaron Forsyth tweeted uh, that uh, Allison Steele came up with the des- with this design, and I guess to be previewed, uh, this is Allison's uh, last week uh, at Wizards of the Coast. Um, Allison is great, and uh, she's very clever, and this is a very silly card, uh, and also seemed just really cool. Um, we'll we'll talk more about the specifics. There's like God. There's uh, versions of this with sketches. Uh, they're doing so much with the set, and I'm very excited. Uh, then we have Dungeons and Dragons Adventures in the Forgotten Realms replacing the core set this year. Woo! Uh, <laughs> Brian is excited. Brian is a huge D and D fan. Chris, you are also a large D and D fan. Uh, I am a minor D&D fan, but I did write for the set, so um, I will be our set expert. Uh, no, uh, it, it's we're <laughs> in a very interesting position on the podcast of, because uh, Jay also likes D&D a lot uh, more than I do, uh, and uh, me being the person who's played least actually worked on the set, so we all kind of have this oddly level playing field for <laughs> understanding what this set is going to be like. And uh, it is what it says on the tin. This is D&D on Magic Cards. Uh, we so got great. a few cards previewed already, like Portable Hole, Power Word Kill, uh, Tiamat. These are just classic D&D things. And, uh, you know, we, we got shown a card with a beholder on it uh, with no so text. Nice. Uh, but one of the most interesting things that this set is doing is, uh, you know, Brian, I know you hated those full text basic lands, um, but for the first time in Magic's 28, 28 year history, am I doing that math oh, right? God. Oh, yeah. you're old. Uh, 28 year history. Uh, we have basic lands with flavor text. Um, so let me tell you, felt a little sacrilege to write. <laughs> um, but uh, we were shown five uh, basic lands with uh, kind of uh, iconic locations that exist in the Forgotten Realms with uh, second person flavor text that are like little adventure pitches. Uh, so like the the island depicts a, a world underwater whirlpool with a bunch of structures around it in the flavor text. Alarmed by the news you brought, the storm giant king of the Maelstrom has called his kin to council. So so not only is this an adventure like prompt, this is actually like the plot of a published adventure from D&D called Storm King's Thunder. I have played that campaign. So like seeing this card was really cool for me because I was like, that's the Maelstrom. I've been there. We helped, you know, save the world from Iamrith and uh, her machinations. Anyways, uh, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't played the Storm King's Thunder uh, (laughs) campaign. Um, It's really good, actually. I had a lot of fun with that one. Uh, But that is these are the coolest things to me. I'm super happy with today's previews. Uh, flavor la- flavor text on basic lands and a card called Urza Saga that is Enchantment Land Urza Saga is just absolutely my favorite thing to happen. Uh, this, this is a fun summer. <laughs> this uh, is the coolest shit. Oh, I'm going to spend a lot of money this summer. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, I think a lot of people are. Uh, these two sets 
in general, hit a lot of things. Uh, the d Day set also has uh, showcase frames. There are cards with uh, a slightly different frame that's uh, like parchment and has a uh, line art, uh, like images you would find in a D&D rulebook or monster manual. Uh, and I think that's neat. Uh, that it, That is... Uh, a unique kind of showcase card that can only be presented in a D&D set. So uh, look forward to cool stuff. Uh, you know, buy a box promo is Vorpal Sword, which just beheads your opponent. It's great. This is good stuff. Uh, it's very exciting. Uh, local play um, in the United States. Uh, san- sanctioned magic play in stores opening up on May 28th. Um, that is obviously still understand what your local laws and regulations and uh, such are. If you are going to go out in public and play magic, if you have gotten your uh, second vaccination dose and it's been two weeks since, um, continue please to wear masks in public. And uh, But you're pretty safe and can probably go play magic in a store for the first time in over a year. Uh, if you have not yeah. been vaccinated yet, don't you dare go to a store. You are still a health risk to yourself and the people in your community um and also go get vaccinated it's free you can go Uh, to many pharmacy websites and schedule appointments uh the vaccine has been readily available in georgia where brian and i live for a while now uh so if you live in the state of georgia and you have not been vaccinated yet uh, it's likely because you have chosen to not be vaccinated so um you've got until may 28th uh if you go get vaccinated uh for your second dose next week you can make it to pre-release so come on let's all do this together I, I really want to go to a Magic pre-release again. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to make anything, any events that would happen on uh, opening up that day. Uh, I don't get my first dose till Tuesday because I had to Pennsylvania's rollout was a little slow uh, and I did not qualify for any of the early vaccination things. But uh, and, you know, living in Philadelphia, there's a lot of people and there's a lot of places already booked up. But, uh, you know, this summer we can get back to playing Magic Uh if you've been vaccinated, you've probably, you know, some people have probably hung out locally with friends who are also vaccinated playing commander in your homes uh, in, in small groups. Um, I'm having one of those this weekend. Hell yeah. yeah. Um, I love playing magic in paper. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I have been doing little pre-releases at home with uh, with a pal um, in our in our little uh, isolation bubble. And, and just feeling paper cards in my hands again has been very nice. Yeah. Uh, Stores have been hurting, obviously, a lot in the last year, but uh, the convention edition of Mystery Booster is going to be showing up at some WPN stores. Um, the convention edition is the one with the test cards, with the uh, the, the design cards. Um, they're really fun. Uh, I did one Mystery Booster draft before the pandemic, and it is the most fun I've ever had drafting. Uh, I also, like, crushed my pod, so that helps. But um, <laughs> for people who have not experienced the convention booster, uh, Mystery Booster draft, uh, absolutely it's worth checking out. Uh, check with your local game stores for uh, what their plans are going to be for that. Um, quick rundown of arena news. We have uh, his, what are the historic things called? Historic Anthology uh, 5 is coming out on May 27th, adding 25 new cards to the format, including Vorinclex Voice of Hunger and Whirler Rogue. We will learn the other 23 at some point. Uh, so that's cool. New cards entering Historic always shakes up the format. Um, and if you play Historic Brawl on there, uh, they will shake that up too. And then uh, those cards will all be legal next time Arena Cube rolls around, which uh, I, I get the sense is one of the most liked uh, events Arena does. Uh, Cube in general is pretty fun. And uh, Arena Cube gets to tweak a small but somewhat powerful card pool uh, for that. And that's neat. Uh, the other big thing is Jumpstart is coming 
coming back to Arena on June 4th and running through early July. The Jumpstart event on Arena last year was a huge hit. Basically, everyone I know was just <laughs> constantly jamming games. It's a lot of fun. It was very easy to get into. I played a little bit of it. Um, so I that think was that was the last time I. I think that was the last time I played Arena. Was Jumpstart. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jumpstart is a very cool product idea. If you didn't get to do it last year, uh, definitely check that out when that rolls around. Um, And uh, the last little announcement part, which I guess we should have tacked on earlier, is uh, Modern Horizons 2 and Adventures in the Forgotten Realm uh, release dates and pre-release and all that stuff is being pushed back a week. Um, So uh, to better manage the uh, print demands and uh, the actual mechanical part of getting cards made and out to store so people can play with them. Uh, COVID has been impacting that for a year. Uh, so those will be out later. Again, we're going to link to the article that has all the stuff, so uh, you can check those specific dates then. Uh, it means we have to tweak our schedule a little bit again, uh, but <laughs> that's normal for us. We'll survive. We can figure out a week. Whew. Now that it's been 15 minutes and we're finally through the news. Uh, <laughs> it was a have... big day. There was a lot going on. Yeah. <sighs> all right. All right. We have two magic stories to cover today. Uh one of them's a big climax, and the other one is the last of a series. So uh, let's uh, let's dive into those. We can start it off with yeah, week five story of Strixhaven uh, final exam because of course it's called final exam. Yeah, we, we gotta <laughs> do finals. Uh, <laughs> Chris, did you write, you write these notes right? Yeah, I, I wrote these notes. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I I I want to read this first one uh, word for word. I appreciate it, Chris. There's a big old monster in the snarl. Yikes! Ectus, Exodus is monologuing, but Will and Rowan are here to help. Specifically, Rowan, quote, he understood something about his sister for the first time then, that this was where her talents lay, running into the storm. Uh, So this is uh, Rowan is enacting her plan of interrupting Extus's summoning of the blood avatar uh, by also connecting to the Strixhaven snarl and drawing power from it and powering herself up so that she's on an equal uh, mage level with Extus. Um, that that happens uh, a little bit later in the story, but I mean, first this is like the planning part. Yeah, well, this is this is her intent to kill. Yeah, uh, we get a little side moment with Luca where we get really really close to Luca being destroyed by Dragonfire, but the fox that is too good for this world saves his life. <sighs> At least she survived. <laughs> she did, but then Luca's like, "I'm out of here, peace, deuces," and he uh, breaks his connection with the Mage Hunters and runs off with Mila, uh, which is really bad because the Mage Hunters are now just kind of wild and feral, and they just start eating all the Auric. Um, good. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, Luca. Remember, uh, Luca refused the Auric mask. He's not one of them. Uh, he's taken up this cause because he needs an enemy to fight. Uh, but this isn't, you know, he's caused his distraction. This isn't his fight. Uh, it's not worth dying over. He's a survivor. Uh, so he's just getting out of there. Uh, that's no loss to him. He has no personal stakes here. Um, he's just an asshole. <laughs> um so uh, Will and Rowan try to fight Extus. Um, the problem is, uh, you know, on Strixhaven, blue magic and red magic are diametrically opposed on like a metaphysical level. And uh, they can't combine attacks. Uh, they're they're not very good at working together in these moments. Um, you know, Will wants to push them to uh, combine their magic like they did on Kylum. But Rowan, again, angry, out for death. Um, 
Will uh, gets injured and, uh, you know, Rowan Rowan has the ability not just to shoot lightning at things, although not to the extent Ral does, but uh, she can transmit electricity through touch. And so she electrifies one of the Blood Avatar swords and zaps it. Um, and this is this is when she's like, wait, but the snarl. And she begins to draw power from it and she rises into the air. And, um, you know, the Blood Avatar, its power source interrupted, starts faltering and flickering. And uh, energy crackles around Rowan. Uh, and I, she I pictured, I pictured Rowan like Galadriel from Lord of the Rings. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Dark queen. She 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 has a big speech here uh, about how. Uh, She's she's not just feeling more powerful. She's feeling all powerful. Like not only is she the most powerful mage on the plane in this moment, but she's the most powerful thing to ever exist on this world and nothing should she choose could ever possibly stand in her way. Uh, Extus is shocked, metaphorically, and then later, shocked, Arthur. literally, when <laughs> Rowan uses the power of the snarl to, like, blast him back into a wall. Um, yeah, so here's the thing, though, is she's still young, and she hasn't really honed her skill, um, even the way Will has, but definitely not in the way Extus has, and uh, she is not able to contain all that power, and she kind of collapses uh, very weak. <laughs> Um, and Exus turns on her, but, uh, Will, he's there. He's gonna save her. Uh, and then he realizes, wait a sec, this isn't just a matter of surviving. I know how to win. Uh, because, uh, as, uh, Chris wrote here, the power of sports. Um, <laughs> so if you wanted to know why Mascot Interception, the card in the set, was a story spotlight and why it was an important moment in the story and this whole thing of Quintorius picking out the spells, uh, it's so that you remember the spell Mascot Interception, a spell that gains control of a summoned creature. Yoink! <laughs> yeah, like the Blood Avatar. Um, <laughs> Which, uh, as we know, is just the mascot for the Rakdos Cacklers. Uh, get it? Because it's a black red spell. <laughs> I did. Appreciate you. Oh, boy. (laughs) Hey, but Rowan only had to pay two mana for it because it's a creature or it's a token, so. Exactly. (laughs) This is true, yeah. I'm sorry, one mana. Uh, And, you know, Exodus has the very Scooby-Doo ending of, you brats, how dare you, uh, before the blood avatar crushes him between his hands and then gets slurped back up into the snarl. And um, as it's thrashing and frailing about and dying, its sword comes down hard, and uh, Ronan will dodge out of the way. Mostly. I mean, uh, like, I would say a solid, like, 80% of Will dodges out of the way. Like, that's yeah. a passing grade. I mean, probably closer to 90. I don't, I don't know what yeah. percent is, uh, what percent of the body is a single leg from uh, below the knee? Because that is what Will loses. Uh, you know, he, he gets uh, Roan out of the way and uh, takes this hit himself, uh, but ultimately survives. Yay, Will. Um, and they're the big heroes. And uh, the whole Biblioplex uh, and Hall of Oracles is crumbling around them. Uh, but the Dean show up. Sorry, and Lizette uh, save them. Hero <laughs> Dean, sorry, can you just the I love Nasari. They are share a lot of my ideals as an artist and are just are a very cool shape-shifting non-binary afri and I appreciate them a lot as a character. Um they uh get a little time skip and it's 5 weeks later. <laughs> Will has a cool with a winking emoji prosthetic leg made of ice and steel um and uh a cane with runes that uh help him balance that uh Quint gave to him. 
part of honing Will's skills as a cryomancer has been uh, reshaping the ice in his prosthetic every day um, as, as kind of a little personal ritual. Um, uh, yeah, he, uh, <laughs> he, and, he and Rowan ponder their heroism, uh, especially in, in terms of you know their upbringing on Eldraine. Um, and Rowan's like, okay, but we should go home. Um, and was like, hey, but we still have school. Uh, and Rowan's like, okay, but we killed a big, scary blood monster. And that was very dangerous. And he lost your leg. And what? This has been a disaster. And was like, okay, but we still have school. <laughs> <laughs> well, Will more specifically is like, we, we killed the blood god because of what we learned at school. Like, yeah. so we, we need to, we can studying. learn so much more. Um yeah, they have like a little bickering moment. It's really cute. Uh, um, yeah, and like, you know, they, they've had a rough time as siblings in this set. Uh, but uh, in the end of it all, they are um, a little more mature about interacting with each other. Um, they understand that uh, their lives have diverged a little. Um, you know, maybe one day there will be a way for them to travel, you know, independently. Um, but at the end of the day, they're still twins and they still love each other and support each other and respect each other. And, um, you know, that is the nice little feel good lesson that they are reminded of uh, in the end which is really nice i love them they're so precious um and so they stay in school uh <laughs> the problem is rowan seems uh, a little more gone in the cheeks uh a little less energetic um since she uh collapsed under the power of the snarl um i'm sure she's fine she's she's fine there's nothing foreboding about any of this uh-huh. um, <laughs> the snarl giveth in it the snarl taketh away I'm sure she's not, like, addicted to magic now or anything. I'm sure that's not going to become a plot point ever. Don't worry about it. Um, (laughs) We've got another Kael'thas here. We've got a... (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, Kazmina continues to mostly stick to the shadows, but continues observing uh, Rowan and Will. She's a creep. Uh, so creepy. She's a spy. (laughs) She's, like, watching them from their bedroom window. (laughs) Yeah, don't worry about it. Um, It's all for the greater good. The greater Um, good. And, uh, you know, the, the twins were talented and Rowan is very powerful and a little bit of a concern. Uh, and Luke is just a loser and <laughs> don't care about him. She's like, this He's guy's not a threat. Scav- He's off scavenging for food with like a few of the remaining Auric. <laughs> it's so like sad. I love yeah. it. <laughs> Luca deserves it. Yes, uh, he does. And uh, the big reveal. All this time, Professor Onyx was actually Liliana Vess in disguise. Dun, dun, did anyone dun. guess that? I did not see that coming. Um, but she reveals her identity uh, to, to the public, announces herself as Professor Liliana Vess. Uh, she is, keeps her teaching position. Um, she actually got tenure. <laughs> for her uh and um she gives up on this quest to bring gideon back um not only is it potentially impossible but she's seen the cost of trying to bring someone back from the dead before with her brother josu and um it might not be a cost she wants to pay and uh you know she kind of heeds belladross's words of you know you know instead of trying to bring him back try to live your life as you know he would have wanted you to live it uh, so she's uh, begins teaching a necromantic arts class. Um, is the good for her very specifically the um, uh, I just, <laughs> my mind blanking on the character's name? Arrested Development. Lucille Bluth. The good for her, Jeff. <laughs> is that yes. the intent? Good for um, her. Yeah, very Liliana. Cool. Liliana got you know she's got like a nice steady job. She's doing something she loves. Um, I think that she. I think Liliana secretly really likes kids. Let's just be honest. <laughs> 
Maybe. <laughs> uh, no, Liliana is a person who, in her own way, has cared about a lot of things over the course of her life, but uh, always considered it a weakness to be attached. Um, attachment is what caused a lot of her problems in the first place. Uh, she's very bad at balancing that. Um, she's very uncomfortable with some of her attachments, you know, like to Jace. Uh, that was a very bad relationship for both <laughs> of them. Um, and uh, she's still a mono-black character. She is uh, grown a bit. Uh, and it's very interesting to, to see her in this set um, still embodying the color in uh, slightly tweaked ways um, after War of the Spark. And uh, that's good to see, I think. So so main main story overall, I, I, I guess, we'll... Rather than just doing specific things to the to this story, uh, unless you have any hyper specific comments, uh, I just think that it's. Uh, I thought the story was really good overall. I thought the five episodes were nice. Um, had a good pace to it. Felt fun and exciting. There were adventures happening. Uh, getting to see Rowan and Will is always exciting. Um, I thought it did a very good job of setting up for what could be future plot points without giving us like a big. Uh, you know, there was like no shadow of Nicol Bolas type situation. Like, I can see that there is a future plot developing here. Some of it being like Kazmina being a creep and like, you're like, what is she up to? <laughs> but also like, but there's nothing that shows me what it's going to be yet. Like, I don't have a big shadow of Nicol Bolas hovering over everything saying like, at some point, they're going to have to fight Nicol Bolas. I just have like this ominous threat looming and like part of it is they leave us with this really tidy ending for Liliana where she's a tenured professor teaching necromantic studies at a college. And I'm like, that's great. Uh, and she starts using her real name. And I'm like, good for you. But then I think to myself, okay, so like when we return to Strixhaven, it's going to either be someone hunting Liliana or it's going to be some terrible thing related to the snarls or something's going to happen that brings us back to Arcavios at some point in time, and Liliana's going to be there waiting for it. Yeah, I'm also, there are still people looking for her. So it's like, now that she's openly using her name again, I'm just like, what happened to those people? Yeah, well, the school also owes her one, because she, you know, she was right the whole time. <laughs> so no one listened to Liliana when she was Professor Onyx. Yeah, but I guess we'll, 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 we'll see what happens, but I'm just like, Someone comes and tells you your teacher was the prime weapon in a in a war where hundreds or thousands or possibly millions of people were killed in a war waged by a dragon planeswalker trying to become a god. Like, I don't know if that if the orc turning back the orc or leading the students who eventually solved the problems to the 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 uh, what you call it the biblioplex. If if that was really enough to to counter that, if they were to if the school were to, uh, I'm not sure that's enough for the school to take her side in in, in as far as the scales are concerned. But I mean, we'll me. see. Yeah, we'll see. I think uh, I think that it set us up for a return to Arcavios, uh, and also it kind of deposited Liliana somewhere where we can go back to her and pick her up when we need to type situation for the story. Because um, I don't think she's done. I don't think this is the end of the Liliana Vess arc. Oh, definitely uh, not. And I think that we're going to see her again uh, at some point, and it's going to have something to do with whatever we have discovered at Arcavios uh, on Arcavios. Um, so yeah, I I don't think this was at all like I wouldn't call this a redemption arc for Liliana necessarily, but I do think it left us with a a very good solid ending for 
her journey through War of the Spark, in my opinion. It's definitely character growth. It may not be a full arc, but it's definitely a a moment of character growth. Yeah, it's a first step towards redemption. We'll broadly use that word. Um, I can't address magic future (laughs) Um, off of that. Uh, But yeah, this this is a smaller story. Um, You know, in in kind of the similar way that uh, Zendikar Rising was a bit of a smaller story. Uh, You know, Kaldheim had big multiversal... uh, What is the word that I implications. just had? Implications. There we go. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> um, you know, with Varenclex and um, new planeswalkers and oh no, Frexio, what is going to happen? And uh, this set isn't that. Uh, this was a local, very local dispute. Um, got solved uh, locally. Um, we'll see where these characters go. All these uh, characters are... Uh, well, Luca is... We'll see what happens to Luca. Um, <laughs> Dies but, uh, out you know, into the no, Ronan and well, Ronan well had big changes. Um, they're good kids. Uh, uh, I would love for them to be to continue to be, you know, the the face of the younger mages in uh, Magic's future. So uh, we'll we'll see how that goes. Give me Teo back. Um, yeah. Anyway, we had a second story this week to talk about, uh, and we should probably cover that at some point. Um, this is the last of the side stories called "A Silent Voice Calls." Uh, about uh the last of the students killian lou um there's like a lot of like meta stuff going around about the story and i don't feel comfortable talking about that aspect of it at all uh definitely encourage people to think critically about the media they consume and uh discuss it uh with people who are uh better equipped and better versed to discuss any sort of uh larger implications around it um but the story itself it was uh it followed basically the same kind of uh, structure as the other student stories, where it really just ha- kind of focused in on one of these students and told a piece of his life that included him uh, changing and growing. Uh, this one, A Silent Voice Calls, uh, begins with Killian Liu in class. He is uh, in Professor Razaneth's class, Razaneth being very close to Razaketh in my mind, and I kept having to remind myself this wasn't one of Liliana's demons. Yep. Um but uh, this is uh, clearly a Silver Quill professor who believes in the usage of the voice uh, as a weapon. And so this professor has challenged all of his students to a, uh, a a duel of sorts and just keeps absolutely knocking them down. Uh, kind of questionable of uh, the, um, what would you say, uh, the ethics of this method of um, instruction. But Are we Razaneth- sure this isn't Razaketh? I don't know, because he's kind of, he sounds like a jerk. Um, (laughs) So Razaneth is basically like lining up his students and one by one dueling them. And the thing about the the magic of the Silver Quill mages is like, this, this mage, this professor is using magic that like doesn't just hurt you. It like hurts your soul. It digs into you and makes your, your pain is more existential, I would think. Um, and all of the students so far have just been absolutely knocked down by this professor. And then it gets to Killian. And Killian is top of his class, right? He is considered one of the finest Silver Quill mages, uh, especially when it comes to this darker, uh, more violent aspect of the Silver Quill black magic. He's an ink caster. Ink caster, yes. Um, so uh, they have a little duel. And Killian uh, seems to be doing pretty well. Um, he starts using uh, some battle poetry, uh, turning some beautiful insults 
into actual weapons against Razaneth. And it looks like he's about to strike the final blow, uh, but he hesitates for just a moment. And Razaneth takes uh, takes advantage of it and takes him out just like his other students. Um, Killian is, of course, hurt so bad that he has to go to the infirmary, um, which is just... I, again, the ethics of a professor sending their students to the hospital is just questionable. Uh, but the other so, uh, professor... Mm-hmm. I, I saw it as like a, a really, really over-aggressive fencing coach. Um, yeah. Where instead of using foils, you're just using rapiers without any yeah. armor. <laughs> It's uh, it's not a, it's not a, a class, I suppose, for the the soft-hearted. Um, but while in the infirmary, uh, Killian gets visited by Dean Shale, who is uh, the Owlin Dean of Silverquill, sort of the representative of the white magic side of Silverquill. Uh, Killian's father, by the way, is Dean Ambrose, the uh, black magic representative for Silverquill. Um, Dean Shale is a. Uh, sort of supportive of Killian, uh, sort of makes it clear to him, like, hey, you are, like, the son of the great Ambrose Liu. Um, You have so much potential, but, like, you should probably consider embracing the light every now and again. It's better for your soul. Uh, And Killian's like, yeah, but you can't kill people with white magic. Um, As he says specifically, white magic is not effective in battle, I'm afraid. Uh, Which is very funny to me because white uh, is both the color of combat tricks for the most part um, and also widely maligned as one of the worst colors when it comes to uh, actual magic. But uh, that statement. Yeah, I think I think it's fine. But, you know, public opinion. Um, but Dean Shale is like, hey, I mean, just consider it It can be really useful. Uh, Killian's like, "Mm, no, thanks. So he uh, he ends up piecing out of the infirmary. He um, he's got this really sore throat. And it turns out that like all of this battle poetry and the, the the magic he was using has been really taking an effect on his actual ability to speak. Uh, which you can imagine. Yeah. Can imagine that's probably a problem. Uh and on his way out uh of the infirmary, he he gets this sort of itching in his palm and this like sharp kind of pain. Um and it turns out that his father is using this magic called Patriscrit to essentially cause Killian discomfort until Killian uh follows whatever his father's telling him to do, which in this case is to uh, show up for a special study session uh, in the Biblioplex. Um, so he hops on a boat, a little a little ferry, to get over to the Biblioplex and runs into a, a, a student, uh, Vanessa, who is not Felisa, different Silverquill student, different one. Um, and she's like on this boat and she's like, hey, Killian, come with me. Uh, we're, we're both going to the same place. We're going to be chatting. I know this guy, you have this problem with your throat. I know someone at uh, Bow's End who makes this potion that can like heal up your throat. No problem. And Killian's like, I will never go to Bow's End. That place is for losers. And Vanessa's like, okay, whatever. Um, No rest for the weary. Uh, Which is a really weird thing because Dean Shale had just said that to Killian. And so he's like, huh, I'm hearing the same thing twice in one day. Uh, He goes to his little study session with his father. Um, He runs into uh, Quintorius as well. And uh, Quintorius continues to be the hero of all of the stories of Strixhaven, as Quintorius is like, hey, I found this really cool book. Uh, it's uh, from Dobarius Igult, the Mute Quillmancer, who is a person who, uh, he was a, a wizard back in the day who used an ancient form of sign language uh, whenever his voice went out from using all of the, the sort of battle poetry volume magic that you were using. Um, and he used his the sign language to to cast spells that charmed an entire army and and created all of this like beautiful magic. 
Uh, and Killian's like, okay, I mean, like, that's cool. I got to go. <laughs> um, so he goes to the Hall of Semantics. He has his little study session with his dad. His dad, Ambrose, is uh, a terrible person. Um, horrible. Horrible. Awful, awful person. Just, this is not a good guy. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I'm Ambrose not sorry. Is, He's yeah, Ambrose is a bad guy. A, a, you're not supposed to like Ambrose. I don't think anyone likes Ambrose at Strixhaven. Uh, even Dean Shale is a little bit hesitant to say anything uh, polite about Ambrose. Um, clearly, very powerful, very dedicated person. Also, incredibly mean. Uh, but we do get an introduction to Daco, which is Killian's little inkling friend. Uh, Killian has this inkling, who is like his best friend creature type thing. Uh, but uh, Ambrose hates Daco, so Ambrose refuses to let Killian uh, use Daco for any sort of um, like studies or anything like that. Uh, after the little study session, M- Killian is like, hey, I really should go to Bozen Tavern because I feel like I do need that potion to help with my voice uh, because it is really important that I continue using my voice for this magic because that's the only thing I can do because my father won't let me study white magic or light magic in a way. Uh, so Killian goes to Bo's End. Um, he almost gets into a fight, or he does get into a fight with. Uh, we get to re. We get to revisit Dina. If you remember Dina from her story, she's at Bo's End. She runs into Killian. And is like, oh hey, friend. Uh, and then Killian runs into a guy who ends up being Dina's date, and Dina's date is not having a good time. Well, he is I not. Think- Happy. Dina's date found him because of that. Yeah. Um, Dina is... Uh, D- Dina's date mm-hmm. gets jealous and thinks uh, Killian yeah. is going to try and steal Dina from her. Because he's Mr. Uh, Steel Yogurt. Th- these, these are college child romance drama moments. Because it's a college set. <laughs> uh, got a comment in our live list and we call him Green with Envy. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So uh, basically, Killian and um, Vickis, Vickis, which is this uh, Witherbloom student who Dina's on a date with, uh, they get into a fight. And Killian essentially uses this power and beats the crap out of Vickis. And he feels, as he's doing this, uh, like he's about to murder him. Uh, Turns out, he had taken a drink from Finessa, and that drink uh, caused him to feel a little violent and, and murderous. And he's like very close to literally killing Vickis until Dina shouts out Killy. And that is the cutest thing in the world that <laughs> Dina has uh, a nickname for Killian. Um, almost kills uh, Vickis, but Killian stops, stops talking entirely. And he remembers the sign language from that book that uh, that Quintorius had given him. And Doko, who also has this sort of same mind as Killian, uh, sort of hops out, goes into the book and then comes out and starts mimicking the hand symbols the the sign language that is in the book for this sort of powerful white magic and um killian stops himself short of killing vicus and signs a simple phrase you are enough now all of the the black magic the the silver quill magic that killian had been using had been based around insulting people and bringing people down and so this white magic is about telling vicus like hey actually you're good you are enough and then the battle ends and and killian runs into the bathroom his throat feels on fire he is he feels like he has like something has come over him and then uh 
Vanessa walks into the bathroom and she's like, eviscerate the prey you had come to hunt and feast upon it. Isn't that what your father told you to do? And Killian gets really upset and he's like, Vanessa, why do you keep repeating these phrases that everyone has said to me? What was in that drink? And then Vanessa reveals herself. She's an Auric agent here. She's been watching Killian and following him. And she offers him one of the Auric masks. And she says that power that you've been using, that that battleful, that powerful battle magic, you could use it without fear, without empathy. Just join us. And Killian's like, no. Uh, Doko comes out and forms a message in the air for him. We don't destroy, we create. And Killian embraces that white magic. And uh, at this exact moment, while this is happening, the bar gets attacked by mage hunters and Auric uh, mages. And Killian sort of comes out and using white magic, uh, drives back the mage hunters, drives back the Auric mages, and wins the fight. Uh, That's just like a really brief summary of what happened, because we're like really running on time and the story is pretty long. Um, uh, Basic ending of the story, uh, Vickis and Killian and Dina all become friends. Uh, he gets a little nod of approval from his father because he saved, you know, saved the day with his white magic. Uh, he tells his father the cosmos is vast and eloquence are not the only ones who shape it. Um, and then aloud, he says, I can create. It's a very uplifting sort of ending to the story that says, hey, you don't have to embrace violence and, and painful magic. You can um, you can embrace uh, or as the, the card is called. Uh, you can uh, have a beaming defiance. You can embrace the light. So uh, yeah, that was the last of the student side stories. And we kind of got little uh, little cameos from Quintorius and Dina again. So Quintorius MVP. Really, he just has saved the day every time. He, he was the one who saved the main story too with his mask on yep. interception. Like this school would have fallen apart without this elephant. I'm just saying it. It's the best. The story was fine. I think it was my least favorite of the stories. Um <laughs> Easily. Yeah, it wasn't my favorite either. <laughs> um, I think it was okay. Like, uh, yeah. Besides the Asian Asian rep issues, Killian doesn't have a lot of agency. Yeah. Um, um, mostly the characters around him do things for him, and he reacts to them. He doesn't make a lot of decisions himself, and any kind of approval he gets at the end feels really unearned. Um, and that was my big problem narratively with it. Uh. The one thing I did really, really like, though, is um, this moment between Vigus and Killian uh, during that fight um, addresses jealousy in a really healthy way. Um, if you don't know, I am polyamorous. I currently have three partners. Uh, without a statement on you know whether monogamy or polyamory is better than one another, they're different. They come with different kinds of struggles. Uh, one of the big things, if you're polyamorous, that you have to learn to deal with is jealousy. It is um, something that is going to crop up a lot more times uh, when uh, you have to juggle more relationships. And um, for me personally, uh, that was a problem for me in monogamy also. Uh, and it's been far and away the biggest thing I've had to struggle with and uh, have done uh, a lot of work and a lot of good reading on uh, how to best understand and manage jealousies. Um, the biggest thing is that jealousies are almost never about whatever, like the jealousy isn't about the thing you're jealous of. It is um, projections mostly of your own insecurities. Um, and so this encounter between Killian and Vickis, uh, you know, Vickis is, uh, jealous of Killian, um, because, uh, you know, Dina has a cute little pet name for him and, and they get along real well. 
And um, that is more a manifestation of Vicus's own insecurities uh, with the worry that he is not good enough for Dina, that he is uh, going to be, you know, a bad date and and a bad person and uh, that he's not going to measure up to the other people in her life. And so when Killian goes to attack him um, using the black magic and it tears him apart, um, what it's really doing is enhancing that sense of insecurity and it becomes soul crushing to the point where uh, Vicus is literally going to be consumed by uh, his own collapsing ego. Um, And the way the white magic builds him back up isn't by, you know, explaining away, you know, Killian's and and Dina's friendship, because that's that's not really the core of the issue. The core of the issue is um, Vicus's self-esteem and his own self-image, and that's what gets built back up. Um, and that is the thing that overcomes that jealousy um, and rectifies that whole situation. And uh, it's a very, very quick, small moment in a story I thought was mostly mediocre. Um, but it is one of the few times I've seen jealousy uh, handled really, really well and accurately and healthily in uh, a piece of fiction. And I really, really appreciate that part of it specifically. Yeah, it, it wasn't my favorite story either. I think um, I think the writing in it is very good. I think that the, the actual... Uh, mechanical aspect of the text i think it's very well written in that sense um the narrative is not a hundred percent a thing that i really was into um i do appreciate though the fact that just like with the other stories um each of these stories is really focusing on a very personal situation uh if you feel that something about this story is emulating your own lived experiences and so you relate deeply to that that is absolutely valid um, I really enjoyed Blue Green Ribbons for that reason. Um, Lorelai, I know that you really enjoyed uh, the Rutha story for that reason more than I uh, The Rutha it. story made me cry, mm. yes. <laughs> yeah, and so like that's the thing I just want to like remind people. Like, I'm saying that this was not my favorite story, but this was probably someone's favorite story. Um, and I think that's a true thing about a lot of magic is like, it's all very personal, but it's presented for everyone. So like, yeah, I, I think that there are definitely people out there who probably connected to the story on a very deep level um, that I did not have that connection. Mostly, I had like a very, uh, very good relationship with my father. Um, and uh, so that's I didn't really relate to what was going on between Ambrose and Killian. Um, I got to tell you, though, Ambrose is bad. Not a good dad. Very bad. <laughs> um, so, Yeah. Yeah, um, again, this wasn't my favorite story, and it was easily the worst to me. Not, And again, it wasn't because of anything technical. Um, it, it just, Killian Ambrose really left a real bad taste in my mouth. And I, like Lorelai said, and this is something that I was putting in the, in our Discord, in our personal DMs on Twitter, like, I, 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 I did not care for the fact that Killian just did not have a lot of agency in his own story. Um, like everything that happened to him or happened for him was done by other characters it felt like and I felt like he deserved better both from his dad and from the things that happened in the story like he he had some agency about making a choice about joining the Auric but other than that I, I just it wasn't the type of story that I, I kind of I didn't enjoy the things that happened to Killian and you know even the ending was kind of like eh it's I I think that like even as sort of an example of what we mean by no agency, um, even when he's like being offered the auric mask and he's like trying to make that decision, Doko is the one who comes out and like tells him like, no, let's not do that. Say no right. to it. Um, and like 
the only like we know that he wants to use some light magic but like he's literally handed the book by quintorius and then doko's the one who jumps out of the book to tell him what to do to use the magic and so like at no point in time in the story is killian like actively making a choice he's just kind of handing having choices handed to him yeah Um, like he, and he it, instead of making the choice to actively pursue white magic himself, like uh, despite his father's choices, like actively, instead of like Quintorius just hadn't happening to hand him the book, it's just like it wasn't anything that he did himself. Yeah. And I think that it's um, I mean, like, I think that it's like true that like he sort of through these years of abuse from Imbros, he's kind of learned this like, you know, I don't want to say like learned helplessness, but like he really has been sort of broken down over time and i feel like the problem is that we we don't really get a payoff where he's he's making a choice for himself um we get a payoff where you're like oh all of his friends have come together to sort of like show him a better way but we don't get really a moment where like he chooses it we get a lot of moments where they're handed to him and he chooses to take those which is good but at the same time, it's like, at no point does he really step forward and be like, actually, I am going to be a good person. Um, he's just given opportunities that he kind of follows. But anyways, this has been a really long discussion. Uh, there was so much news today. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think my the final thing I want to say, um, just about the student stories in general, uh, I really like these in general as a collection of side stories, um, particularly for this theme. Um, the... All five of them have this kind of overarching theme of legacy, um, which gets tackled in different ways um, from, you know, directly with your parent in Killian's case to with your long lost ancestors in Quintorius's case. Um, And I think broadly having the student from each college um, be not only like a pretty powerful magic card in limited, but be um, the focal points of these side stories as uh, really good, really smart, really like that decision in general. Um, I thought all these stories were very engaging and it gave us um, faction sets are always have strong identification from a player to a world. Uh, and each of the students being a hook for emotional attachment to a person um, was good. Uh, I, th- I think that it is, um, you know, uh, in all the discussions about Killian, you know, when one of the biggest issues is that Killian has to stand for the entirety of a thing. Um, and so when Killian turns out to not be a person to attach emotions to like that, um, or uh, attach in some cases uh, very bad, negative, painful memories and emotions to, um, that is the risk you take with that kind of thing. Um, you know, but then on the other hand, Ruth's story made me cry. And and so uh, that is something to be conscious of, uh, the, the way those function and, and the way they become load-bearing walls of your narrative house. I really loved Killian and Dina's story. I'll just, I'll put that there. <laughs> that yeah. Was, um, I, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we had, a we've had a lot of discussion about these stories on our discord. Um, I think everyone has had different interactions with them. It was great. One of our discord members was like, here's my ranking of the top five stories. And I was like, my ranking was the exact opposite. And I feel like both were valid. <laughs> I was like, yeah. you know, um, that person put, uh, blue green ribbons as like their least favorite of the five. And I'm like, blue green ribbons is like easily my first favorite of the five. So we were, um, I think that's great. We have a good I, little like, community on Discord. I'm going to rank them. I think it's uh, Ruth's story, Quintorius' story, Dina's story, Zimone's story, Killian's story. I, uh, I'm i not going to rank them, but I think uh, Zimone's definitely was, uh, I think, my favorite of the five. Um, Brian, any comments on that? Yeah, I'm not going to rank them. 
I, I think Quintorius's was my favorite. Um, Zimone's is the one that made me feel the most, just because of personal uh, relativity. But uh, yeah, it's I, I liked. All I know is that I like Quintorius is the best, and uh, Killian's the worst. So. Uh, I, I think we're going to wrap there because, you know, as we've been saying, this is a long episode. Uh, it's so almost like gonna... I was trying to give you a good segue when I was talking about our Discord. <laughs> well, no, we got to do final thoughts first. Uh, and mine's real quick because of spoilers. And all I'm going to say is I am 130% bought in on Bad Batch already. It's I love Star Wars and holy crap, the first episode was so good. I'm so excited for this series. And I'm going to leave it at that. So... I've never watched Clone Wars or Rebels. Do I need to have watched all of those before I watch Bad Batch or? Um, not so Rebels takes place after this. Bad Batch picks up basically directly where Clone Wars leaves off. Um, the Bad Batch are introduced uh, late in the Clone Wars series. Um, gotcha. Like I, I but, think I'm like on episode twelve or thirteen of Clone Wars, but there's seven seasons, so good luck. You yeah, can skip yeah. season six. <laughs> gotcha. Well, my final thought is that... Uh, well, okay. Uh, oh, I, sorry. I would say, if you're trying to get through Clone Wars with the intent to prepare yourself for the things that take place later narratively in Star Wars, find a watch list. Um, Clone Wars has a lot of filler. Like, I love Clone Wars, and a lot of it is really good, but a lot of it doesn't matter for the future of Star Wars narratively. I think there's, um, like, the first two seasons can just be skipped. <laughs> uh, they're... they're uh, if, if you want to trim down the watch time from, you know, seven 20 episode seasons uh, to uh, a much shorter watch list. Uh, Thank you for that suggestion. I just found one by Googling. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, definitely do that. Uh, all, all I can say about the watch list is watch all of season seven. It's phenomenal. All right. Final thought. <laughs> Uh, my final thought is that... Oh, crap. I lost my track. Nice deal. Uh, Whoops. That's my fault. <laughs> what was I going to say? I cannot wait for the D&D set. I'm super hyped. Like, drizz it, dries it, draws it, draws it. Yes, I'm trolling whoever that was. I, I, I'm doing it on purpose. Um, was on the, the on some of the art that was previewed for the box, and I'm super soaked. So cannot wait. Chris, final thought. Uh, my final thought is just that I have not watched Bad Batch yet. Uh, I uh have been watching MSI, which is for those of you into League of Legends esports, is the uh, mid season Invitational happening in Iceland. Um, over the past like year, I've become like a League of Legends person, and I'm very sorry. <laughs> <laughs> As long as you're not toxic, we're good. If you too mm. like League of Legends, you can head over to patreon.com slash the Vorthos cast and help support our show. Because technically we've done one episode about the world of Runeterra that appears in League of Legends and Legends of Runeterra. And they have another game, right? Um, Kind of, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway point is uh we did an episode for you uh in in a series called uh beyond the multiverse we had uh michael yichao who is amusingly back at watsi no longer at riot uh but was at riot at the time when we interviewed him to talk about runtara uh yichao's great good friend uh and uh you know if that's something that interests you go listen to that and uh if you want a place where you can talk about other games because that's you know we don't just talk about magic on our discord server which everyone who supports us on patreon gets access to uh we talk about all kinds of things uh jay may he rest in peace and 
hopefully one day rejoin the podcast uh, as has been talking a lot about the uh, Outer Worlds uh, DLC, which is apparently very good. Um, and, uh, you know, if you want a place to talk about the Bad Batch, we have a whole spoiler channel for, for new television shows and new movies. Uh, and uh, it's a good good place for, for these uh, episodic shows and everyone. Uh, they, they get very busy on episode release days and it's been very fun. We have a, we have a nice community there that we would love for you to be a part of. Uh, but otherwise, uh, all our, to all our listeners out there, uh, thank you uh, for listening and uh, loving our show. Uh, this has been the Vorthos Cast.